I don't have to sit and worry and fret and think and doubt and wonder. These things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. The whole book of 1 John was specifically written to give assurance to the saints. If you're doubting, if you're uh, uh, worrying about that issue, you need to just start reading the book of 1 John. Read it every single day. All five chapters go through it. Read it every single day. And I promise you this, you'll know by the end of that five days, you'll know whether you are or whether you ain't. Say amen. And that'll, that'll be an encouragement to you. Uh, 1 John chapter number 2 and verse number 1. We are continuing, we've been preaching through uh, on the subject of uh, reading our Bible, uh, reviewing our Bible, and rehearsing our Bible. We are reading it, uh, receiving it, hearing the Word put in our heart so that we can think about it and meditate on it, and then we can rehearse it, we can accomplish it, and we can do the Word, not just hear the Word. Are you with me? Say amen. The Bible says in 1 John chapter number 2 and verse number 1, if you're there, say amen. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. I'm so glad I have somebody standing up for me. I've got a a man on the inside. I've got somebody at the throne of God when I do make a mistake, when I do fail and slip and fall, I've got somebody that's standing for me in the presence of God. He is our advocate. He is our go-between, Jesus Christ. The Bible says, verse 2, and He is the propitiation. That means sacrifice. He was the sacrifice, the atonement for our sins. Not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know, say that with me, and hereby we do know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. Say it with me. And hereby we do know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. He gets a little more uh, stringent. He gets a little more blunt with His terminology. He says, He that saith, I know Him, and keepeth not His commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in Him. You may fool your neighbor. You may fool your mama and your daddy. You may even fool your preacher, but you ain't fooling God. If you say that you abide in Him, if you say that you know Him, if you say that you're born again and you keep not His commandments, you're a liar and the truth ain't in you. That's what verse 4 says. But, verse 5, But whoso keepeth His word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in Him. He that saith he abideth in Him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. Talking about the Lord Jesus. Let's read verse 5 and 6 together in concert. Everybody with me? But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. Dear Heavenly Father, bless your word. Bless the hearers. Lord, I pray that you'll anoint every soul that is in this room today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The Bible says in the book of James, chapter number 1, in verse number 21, Wherefore, wherefore, laying apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. Verse 25 says this, 
But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. This man shall be blessed in his deed. You say, why are you discussing this and talking about this uh, here this morning? For a, a very good reason. We learned in John chapter number 8, the Bible says, if ye continue in my word. There were many that believed on him. There were many that believed on the Lord and began to follow him. He turns around to tell them, said, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to come after me, he says, if ye continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. There are a lot of people playing church today. We have churches all across this country, I mean from a sea to shining sea. We have churches on every corner. And listen, if we was all doing what God said for us to do, if we were all being what God wanted us to be, this nation would be a Christian nation. This nation would have the foundation of the Word of God. This nation would have morals coming out of our ears. But that is not happening because we got a lot of professors, but not a lot of possessors. We've got people that are, listen, standing up and claiming one thing, but Jesus said, if you are going to be a disciple, if you are going to follow me, he says, you must continue in my word. In my word. Now we said, what does that mean? In order to continue in the word, in order to abide in the word, we said there was three things we must do. We we said this a while ago. If we're going to continue in the word, number one, we must what? Receive the word. Say that with me. We must you got to get into preaching. Say amen. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I believe it is God ordained that a man stand upon a platform or on the floor or wherever he's at and break open that Bible, break open the word of God and say, thus saith the Lord. This is what God says about our life. This is what God says about our living. I believe in old-fashioned fire and brimstone, Holy Ghost anointed preaching. I'm here, I'm telling you, the Bible says, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. And I think churches need some good dose of that. Say amen. And you need to come hear that preaching. But that's not all. That's not all. If all you get is preaching, then listen, you're an anemic Christian. Because the Bible says we are to read His Word. God commands and exhorts us to study the Word. Be, listen, study the Word to show thyself approved unto God. A workman needeth not to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the Word of truth. We need to receive the Word. You can receive it through the teaching. You can receive it through the preaching. You can receive it through your own Bible reading and your own study. But then we said if we're going to continue in the Word, we must receive the Word. But then, number two, we must review the Word. The psalmist said in Psalms chapter number 1, he said that his delight was in the law of the Lord, and in that law does he meditate day and night. That meant he thinks about it. He focuses on it. He thinks about it and he lets it take grain. Did you hear that? The engrafted word. I mean, it goes in and takes root. Boy, we need some, we need some Christians to get an old-fashioned dose of the word of God to take root in their heart and start taking action in their life. We need to think about it. We don't need to be speed readers. We don't need to go through. Listen, God is not making a checklist up in heaven to see if you got your chapters done that week. God is looking down and seeing if that word is taking an effect in your life. We need to review the word. We need to think about what we're reading. We need to think about what we're hearing. But most importantly, and this is the most important one of all, because this is the whole purpose for it all. We not only need to receive the word, we review the word, but then we must, we must rehearse the word. 
The Bible says if we look upon the Word and, do, and then do not do the Word, we are forgetful hearers. Where is the man in the book of James that says that looketh at his, his reflection in the mirror and turns and goes the other way? And, and the Bible says he forgets it. He's a forgetful here. He forgets what, what he looked like there. What are you saying? The Bible says we're to be what we read. We're to live what we learn. And we must rehearse the Word. We must be Christ-like. We must be Christian. Listen, you are a Christian, which means Christ-like. Now watch. I want to give you three incentives. Three motivations, if you want to use that word, however word you want to use, three incentives or motivations to, to get you to see the need to start living what you're learning. This is not a movie theater. This is not a, listen, this is not a drama club. This is not a, a, a baseball stadium or, 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 or sports arena. This is not for the need or for the sake of entertaining anybody. You need to understand that when you walk through those doors and you come into this building, you have come into the headquarters. You are in battle every day of your life. Satan hates you. He hates you and despises you. And the Bible said that he is as a roaring lion roaming about seeking whom he may devour. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your marriages. He wants to destroy your ministry. He's after these young people and he's after you. And you are fighting him every day of the week. When you come in here, this is, listen, this is headquarters where we get our, 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 our orders from the Lord Jesus Christ. This is where we come and we get lifted up and encouraged and helped to go out and fight another day because I know the moment we leave those doors, the moment we go off of this property, Satan is going to hit his head on and you need to get everything you can in here to face him tomorrow. Listen, the purpose of coming here is not just to hear a feel-good story. It's not just to hear a, 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 a funny story or a sad story and the illustration to go out and, and have, your, have your emotions touched or your emotions tickled and then leave here and forget everything else that's there. I'm afraid we've got in the habit of entertaining people. They come and they enjoy the service. They enjoy everything. But when they leave, they don't even remember what the preacher said. Now, how is that going to change your life if you can't even remember what was said? You can't rehearse something you don't remember. That's the whole purpose of these small groups. That's the whole purpose of taking notes. That's the whole purpose of putting it up here on the wall so you can remember in order to rehearse. Preacher, why should I rehearse the Word? Why should I live what I'm reading and studying? Number one, write this down if you will. Number one, because of the promises delivered. Because of the promises delivered. There are, there are thousands of Christians. Thousands of Christians that live every day worried to death. Now, I'm talking about born again, saved, name on the Lamb's book of life. I'm talking about name in there. It's there. They're headed to heaven. But they live every day in fear that they might not be saved. Live every day scared to death. Live every day in, in, in fear and trembling that maybe they are, maybe they're not. But you know what? There is a promise in God's Word that we just read in 1 John, and I thank God for it. It says, Hereby do we know. Look what it says in verse number 3. And hereby we do know. Read that word. We do know. Come on, y'all. We do It doesn't say wonder. It doesn't say might. It says we do know that we are, listen, if we had that we know him, if we keep his commandments. You know what a problem is? People get saved and they don't follow up on their Christian walk. 
People get saved, they're born again, but they don't follow through and begin to read God's Word. They don't begin to feed on the Word of God like the Bible says a, sense, a babe in Christ should do. They desire the sincere milk of the Word. They don't feed on God's Word, so they don't begin to rehearse God's Word. And here comes the devil. He's coming. He's going to, listen, the Bible says he's the accuser of the brethren. The Bible says that he went to Eve and said, Yea, hath God said. Yea, hath God said. Are you sure that's what it's all? Man, it, it, listen, it's the, God just knows you're going to be as smart as he is and, and he just don't want you to eat it. What's he doing? He's planning doubt. That's what he's good at. But you know what? The Bible says this in verse number 3, And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. What, what promise is delivered by those who are... Co- operating and and living the life of the Word of God and rehearsing the Word and living what they're learning. There is a provided assurance. There is a promise of provided assurance. God will put an assurance in your heart. God will put a confidence in your life that you can know that you know that you know that you know that you are born again, that you are a child of the King. I'm glad, and I like people with confidence. I'm glad. Listen, I like people that when they can stand forth, they know that they know, and they are confident in the fact that God is their Savior. But if you don't ever open your Bible, if you don't ever try to follow the Word of God like God said to do it, if you are disobedient to the commands of the Lord, if you are walking away from Him and you hadn't cracked that Bible in years, I promise you this, you're not going to be assured. You're not going to have that confidence that He said you could have if you were living what you're learning. Listen, not only provided assurance, but B, write this down. God promised not only provided assurance, but boy, this is a real important one. Prayers answered. Prayers answered. You say, where do you get that? 1 John 3, 22. 1 John 3, 22. The Bible says, and whatsoever we ask. Watch this. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Some of y'all are living a life in such a way that your prayers don't get past that sheetrock. The Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, he will not hear me. Preacher, what are you saying? There are times in my life I need God to hear my prayer. There are times in my life when I'm going through difficulty and I'm going through tragedy. I'm going through a situation that I cannot fix on my own. I cannot take, listen, I cannot take the reins and deal with it. I must let Jesus handle it. But if I'm not living right, if I'm not following the commands of the Lord Jesus Christ, my prayers will not be answered. Some of you come to me and say, Preacher, I don't know why. I pray and I pray and I pray and I pray. I don't know why God doesn't hear me. It seems like it don't go nowhere. I don't even know what's happening. I'll tell you what's happening. It could be there's a habit in your life that God wants you to get out. It could be there may be sin that's there. It may be you need to turn off the satellite. It may be that you need to throw that computer out in the yard. It may be that you need to get right with your wife or you need to get right with your husband or you need to get right with somebody in the church. It may be that you're regarding sin in your life And God will not answer your prayer. God wants to answer. God desires to answer. God wants to bless you with blessings you cannot even receive. God is sitting on the banister of heaven waiting to be a blessing in your life, waiting to touch His children, waiting to be good to His children. But He can't with sin in the way. He can't when His children are being disobedient. 
Now, if you're a father, if you're a mother, you know what I'm talking about. You want to be good to your children. You want to bless them. You want to, you want to, uh, how do you feel, Brother Micah, when you're able to give something nice to them or give something good to them? And you're wanting to do that. You want to bless them. You want to encourage them and give them nice things. But you can't do it when there's disobedience in their life. You can't bless them. They become unqualified for your blessings. Why? Because if you bless them with sin in their life, with disobedience in their life, then you are condoning what they are doing. But the Bible says, if we do His commandments, Bo, if we follow His word and do what is pleasing in His sight, then we have what we ask for. God has promised answered prayers to those who are following His word. Preacher, why should I take the time to read that Bible? Why should I submit my life to what's written in that Bible? Because one day you're going to have a serious prayer that you need God to answer for you. And you're going to have to come before His throne. Listen, I promise you this. What if it was your child in the hospital? What if it was your loved one that's on the brink of death and you need God to intervene, you need God to touch? What if it was your family member that was right on the precipice, right on the edge of hell? You need God to answer your prayer. Listen, the Bible says if we'll follow these commands, we'll begin to live what we're learning. It says, look what it says, whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him because we keep His commandments. Listen, you cannot keep something you do not know. Uh, help me. Who, Huckleberry Finn, Tom Sawyer, who, who was that? Who wrote that? Mark Twain. Mark Twain. You know what he said? He said, it's not the parts of the Bible I don't understand that bother me. It's the part that I do understand. How many of y'all would say amen right there? It's like going to the doctor. You won't go because you're afraid what he's going to tell you. Sometimes we won't read because we know we're living a life. We're not ready to quit yet. We won't go before him. We won't get right with him because we know what he's going to say. I've had people that were in, in a difficulty, in a bad way, and, 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 and I find out about it, and I go to some man, why didn't you come to me? They said, because we knew what you was going to say. And would rather stay in the problem. Would rather experience the pain than swallow their pride and do what's right. Church, say amen. Why should I live what I'm learning? Why should I try my best to rehearse, to rehearse and live what we're learning? Not only because of the promises delivered, but number two, write this down quickly. Because of its planned design. Because of its planned design. Look in verse, look in verse number five. This is an interesting thing I've seen. It's, it's, it's cool. First John chapter two, verse five. When you're there, say amen. But whoso keepeth his word in him, talking about the one that's obedient to the word of God, in him verily is the love of God. What's that word? You know what that word means? It means to bring to completion. To bring to, and, and when I started looking at that and, and, and reading that and studying that, basically it's like this. Uh, when you take penicillin, you're sick. You're sick and you take penicillin or antibiotics or whatever it is that you, you need to take to fix your problem. When you take that, that penicillin is perfected. It is brought to completion when you are no longer sick. In other words, when it's accomplished its task, 
when it's accomplished killing the infection, killing the germs, killing whatever it is that you took it for, it has perfected its purpose. It has completed its task. Now, what does that have to do with this? The Bible says when the saint is living and, listen, obedient to the Word of God, they are living what they're learning. The Word, listen, the love of God is perfected in their life. In other words, the moment that you got saved, God poured His love into you for the purpose of getting you to be obedient to His Word. He saved you not to be a spectator. He saved you not just so you could go to heaven. He saved you not so you could be a member of a church. He saved you for the purpose of transforming you into the image of His blessed Son. Listen, this design, this plan design, it was determined by the Savior. The Bible says, Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 10, for we are His workmanship, talking about the saved, talking about the born again. We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Now watch this. Which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. I got another one for you. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 14. How much more? I say amen right there. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? He did not save you so you could just sit on a pew. He saved you to get busy serving him. He did not forgive you and wash your sins away. He did not redeem every fault you ever had, every sin you've ever committed. He has not forgiven you to sin. He's forgiven you to serve. When we come to God, I know, I know this for a fact. There are some Christians, I felt this way before God revealed this in my heart. Sometimes I've done things, I, I just need to quit everything and don't do anything for God. And God went to jumping up and down and said, Son, that's not why I forgive you. I don't forgive you so you can quit. I forgave you so you can get back in the fight, get back up on your feet, and go after doing what I called you to do. We want to quit everything after we stumble. We want to throw everything down. But God does not forgive you so you can quit. God forgave you so you can serve. God forgave you so you can get busy for Him. He's got a purpose for your life. And that purpose is for the fact of transforming you into the image of His Son. Listen, it's determined by the Savior. It's developed by the saint. Watch this. Matthew 28, 19. This is cool. Go ye therefore. Now this is, we know, most of us know, this is, this is known as the Great Commission. And go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Did you see the last part of that command? Did you see the last part of that commission? Your job as a soul winner. Your job as a discipler is not finished till you have taught them to be obedient to what He has commanded them to do. Preacher, what are you saying? The end result is not worship. The end result is not loving your neighbor. The end result is living what you're learning. Being in a service team. Serving God and giving God all of your life. Listen, Romans 8, 28. I don't even know if I... I, I think I made a copy of that. Romans 8, 28. I didn't, but that's all right, I know it. The Bible said that he's going to work all things for our good. The good things and the bad things. For we know, we, ought, we know that all things work together for good. To them that love the Lord, to them who are called according to his purpose. 
And he gives us a purpose in verse 29. It says, for whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. Say amen. Let me lay it out for you. Let me lay it out for you. The first man, the first creation, messed up bad. Oh, he messed up bad. He fell into sin. God had to make arrangements for him. God had to, listen, he had to make arrangements for him to be redeemed and to be saved and to be forgiven. And he did that. Well, when Jesus came, when Jesus, hallelujah, amen, when Jesus came in that manger, he was incarnated. Listen, he came and God became flesh and dwelled among us. And we beheld his glory. Say amen. He came, the second Adam. The first Adam fell. The first creation fell. The first one, the first man that was designed to have fellowship with God, designed to walk with God and glorify God and magnify the God who made him. He fell and he messed up. He fell into sin and could not accomplish his task. So here comes Jesus in a manger one day. He comes and he's born, listen, of a virgin. He was supernaturally born. God was his father. Mary was his mother. He came all God. God, but he was all man. And he came, that second Adam, to do everything that the first Adam was supposed to do. He lived a life of righteousness. He lived a life of holiness. He lived a life that was pleasing to the Father in everything he did. And he gave us an example to live by. Now watch this. He died for our sins and went to heaven. Now as you are saved, the moment you get saved, boom, God saves you. And he's got a purpose for you. He's got a design for your life. He's got a purpose for your life. And from that moment on, he begins to carve things off of you. He begins to put things in you. He begins to turn things around in your life. He begins to rearrange your life and letting all the good things and all the bad things work together to accomplish a purpose. And that's to conform you and transform you into the image of the Son that walked perfect on this earth. Somebody give him praise and glory. Hallelujah. And it's not complete till you're living what you're learning. Great Commission tells us this. Romans 8, 28 and 29 tells us this. Listen, God said it. He said when that man, look what it says. It says, but whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected or Brought to completion. Preacher, what are you saying? Until you're doing that, you're not complete. Until you're doing that, you're not going to be happy. Until you're doing that, you're not going to be full of joy. Until you're doing that, you're not going to have peace and happiness. Until you're doing that, you're not going to have the favor of God on your life and the blessings of God on your life. Preacher, you trying to scare me? No. I'm trying to inform you. You didn't come to hear some... You came to hear the truth, didn't you? Well, according to that Bible, showing up and attending here is not going to give you favor with God. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. I believe it's Romans 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, Listen, and the Bible says something intriguing right here. Which is your reasonable service? It didn't say about, some of us think, well, that's, boy, that's above and beyond the call of duty. I tell you, if I'm going to, no. God said, that's just reasonable. 
And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect. Perfect, there's that word again. Complete will of God. I'm seeing things I don't know that you see yet. But when you, Bo, when you're falling into that place where you're, you're learning the Word and you're living the Word, you're receiving, you're, you're re- re- reviewing and you're rehearsing the Word, you're, you're falling right into the complete will of God. That you may prove what is that good and perfect. Listen, the complete will of God for your life. Number three, let's hurry. Strip the gear. Throw in overdrive. Amen. What was number one? Why, why, should we re- why should we read and review and rehearse the Word? Why should we, why should we even concentrate and, 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 and focus so much on the Bible? Number one, number one, because it's the promises, what? Delivered. Number two, can y'all see that that's what God planned the whole time? That's what God planned. That's why He gave you a book. Now watch this. This is cool. This is so simple, too. He gave us a book to know how to do it. But then he gave somebody in front of us to show us how to do it. That's the Lord Jesus. He came to say like this, let me show you how to do it. Do y'all get that? It's one thing to hear instructions or hear uh, directions on something. But it's another thing when you can look at somebody when they're doing it. Do y'all agree with that? And Jesus said, now this is how you face the devil. When he comes to tempt you, and he did him, he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word to proceed out of the mouth of God. Tempt him three times, and every time, boom, boom, boom. Listen, he taught us and showed us how to treat our brother that do us wrong. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. See, he lived what we're supposed to be learning. We're not complete until we're doing the same thing. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Ephesians 4 too, it says it there, that we not be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine, but that we grow up into Him. The fullness, the stature of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, We need to rehearse the word, live the word, live what we're learning because of the promises delivered, the plan designed. But last of all, real quickly, say it with me. Number three, because of our... Look what the Bible says. In verse number five, when you get there, say amen. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. Now watch this. Here's the the verse right here, verse six. He that saith he abideth in him. What's the next word? Say it with me. Say it again. Ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. I looked up that word ought. It means to owe or to be under obligation. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain. He washed it. Why does
Preacher, why should I live this word? Why should I be even worried about doing what the Bible says? Because I have a personal duty. I have a personal duty because of the payment I receive. Payment I receive. Man, I didn't deserve God. I can look at my past and I can look at stupid things I did and man, God should have thrown me into hell. Even did it when I knew better. I don't deserve redemption. I don't deserve a perfect, a perfect God. Listen, who lived a perfect life. In Him was no guile. He was as a lamb led as a sheep to the slaughter. And He gave His life. I didn't deserve that. I owed a debt. I could not pay. He paid a debt. He did not owe. You want a good reason? You don't need the rest of them. You don't need the rest of them. If you don't serve God for no other reason, you ought to do it for what He done for you. You know what? In the garden, the Bible says He said, wait here and pray. Watch and pray. And He took Peter, James, and John a little further and, 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 and said, pray with me. Pray with me. My soul was exceeding sorrowful. I mean, he was right at the end, right before crucifixion. But then the Bible says this. It said, but he went a little farther. Listen, people have done good for you in your life. People have been blessings to you in your life. But nobody has gone as far as the Messiah. Nobody has gone and did what the Savior has done. Nobody has gone the distance. Nobody has given their life so that you could be free. Nobody has shed innocent blood and gave it up, gave it up for lost, ungodly sinners. Any man saith he abide in him, he ought. He has an obligation. He has an obligation to walk as the Lord Jesus would want you to walk. I'm glad he paid my debt. Lord Jesus, help us today. Listen, I have a personal duty because of the payment I received. The Bible says in 1 John 2, 2, he is the propitiation for our sins. Not just for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. 1 Corinthians 6, 20, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God. You ain't got no business Live in any other way but the way Jesus wants you to live. If you're here today and you're saved, if you're here today and you're saved, you ought to want to run down that aisle and fall knee deep into that carpet and dig your nose as far into the fibers of that carpet as you can and say, Oh God, forgive me for not living the way you want me to live. So why should I do that? Open your eyes and look at Calvary. Open your eyes and look at the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. You need to get a fresh glimpse of the crown of thorns that was driven down into his head. The beard that was plucked out of his face. The spit that ran down his face as they mocked him and spit on him and beat upon him. You need to get a good glimpse of the back that was blistered open and ripped open by the cat of nine tails that the Romans put upon him. He was mocked. He was made fun of. He was brutally beaten and slaughtered like a guilty thief, yet he was the innocent Messiah, the Lamb of God, who did it all by himself so that you could be free. Nobody's got to come and 
and listen, take you through, uh, take you through uh, what, what is that, auditor or uh, 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 be an audited. You don't, have, you don't have to go through and do inventory or life. You know right now if you've been doing that or not. God, this whole message, from the beginning to the end, God has been driving this home in your life. Young people, we see people getting saved in your group. There are people that's transforming their life. Now I'm telling you, we have an obligation to live the way God wants us to live. It's easy to do that in this building, but God wants you to do that in the world. Ye are the light of the world. Ye are the salt of the earth. We ought to live what we're learning. We ought to receive the word of God and rehearse it in our life. Because of the payment I receive, and then because of the person I represent, have mercy. It says Ephesians 4, 1, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. 1 Thessalonians 2, 12, that you would walk worthy of God who hath called you under the kingdom, under His kingdom and glory. You know, you're an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ. I was reading I was reading about a, a prince of England. I don't remember exactly which one it was, but the king had a son and he was goofing off. He was goofing off in public, in the public eye. And, and, and the king pulled him to the side. and This was a true story. I wish I could remember the, 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 one, the, the individuals it was, but he pulled him to the side. He said, look, you can't be doing this. You can't be doing this," he said. He said, "This is this is this is not right." And and the excuse was, "Well, I'm just a kid." And the king said, "It's not your age; it's who you are. It's who you represent. When you walk in this world, you live a life. You're representing Christ." Let me ask you a question. What kind of representative have you been lately? If Christ is supposed to be seen in this world through you, what kind of Christ has this world been seeing? The people you work with, the only God they're going to know is what you show them. I tell you, you're just getting too personal. It's about time. It's about time. We're not here to play. We're not here to practice religion. We're here to find out what God wants in our life and to live what that word says. We have an obligation. You have an obligation. Does that mean I'm going to have to quit? You tell me. You tell me. If God's telling you in your heart to quit it, you don't need to come ask me. If God's telling you in your heart, you need to start it. You don't have to come ask me. I believe this. I believe some of them, they just ain't saved. One of the most natural things, one of the most natural things for a baby is desire feed, desire milk. They don't have to be taught how to drink milk. They, don't have to, they just crave it all of a sudden. God puts that in them. Brother Josh, he's out of town today here. He'd be here today. Every time he sees me, he starts asking me questions. Brother Bruce, have you noticed that in, in Josh being around him? 
new Christian just got saved a couple weeks ago. Every time he said, Bridget, what about this and what about that and, and how about this and how about what is he doing? He's he's hungry. Some of us never hungered for the word of God because we've never been saved. And I promise you this. Today can be the greatest day of your life. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Brother Mickle, if y'all get your people ready, every head bowed and every eye closed. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you 